wrote, the dream lives on. The dream lives on. And I know somebody just asked themselves, what, what exactly are we talking about? What, what, what dream? What are we talking about? Whether you know it or not, there is a dream. There is a purpose for your life. There is a destination point for your life. And everyone has dreams. Everyone has some sort of direction. Everyone's aspiring to something. Some have given up. But no one starts that way. No one, no, no one begins that way. But there's a difference between the dreams that we have and the dream that God has. See, while they are similar in that they're a dream, they are distinctly different in that one is limited while the other one is limitless. Let me tell you what I mean by that. For many of us, we spend our lives spinning our wheels trying to figure out how I'm going to make it. You ever been there? I know I have, right? How am I going to make it? How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to craft a future, create a future for my kids? How am I going to rise to the pinnacle of, my, uh, of success in my career? Some of us are looking at the pinnacle of life, the purpose of life, retirement, right? And then some of us are thinking a little bit deeper, and we're going, well, how do I leave a mark? And the thing about it is that all those dreams, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, but they're lacking something. They're missing something. Let me tell you what I mean by that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, However it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no mind has conceived. Listen closely. The things that God has in store for those who love Him. Get this big idea. Wrap your head and your heart around this. Dig into this. Pray about this. Consider this. God says he has good things for you that are beyond what you have seen, what you've heard, and what you can imagine in, or conceive in your own heart. Now that's good news. I'm going to tell you why. Because the limits that we have based on our experiences, the limits that we have based upon our limited sight and how we perceive circumstances, the limits that we have based upon what we think life is all about, can't stop what God has. It's bigger. Amen? And so that's good news. But the dream that God has for your life, it is limitless. It breaks the mold. It pushes past what you know, and it opens the doors to things that you have not yet thought of. Now, I know that for some of us, as we hear this, you might be thinking right about now, what's God's dream for my life? And that's a great question. It's a real good question. And for some of us, as you're thinking about this question, as you're pondering it, it's very likely that you're experiencing a mixture of wonder. Ooh, never thought about that, right? You're also uh, experiencing maybe some weight. Well, how do I get there? How do I do this? How, how does this begin? Or maybe you're just experiencing some worry in the process. Maybe you're feeling like you've dropped the ball. Maybe you feel like you've missed it. And I'm here to tell you that God, you can't miss it with God because God is present. And so right now is a moment in, in history and destiny for you. But it's important to know that if you're experiencing that in this moment, that wonder, that worry, that weight, it's a good indication that you're probably missing some important details. Some important details. In the series that we've been studying, we've been looking at the life of a guy named Joseph. This guy was a dreamer. He lived with big dreams. He received a big dream from God. Joseph was destined to be a ruler. Joseph was destined to be a man that exerted great influence. Joseph was destined to be a man that God would use to birth the nation of Israel out of a place called Egypt, to cause them to multiply and be a blessing. 
But the thing about it is, as we saw in the last couple of weeks, Joseph's dream started off much more like a nightmare. And it started off really like a nightmare because Joseph made the dream small. Joseph made the dream about himself. See, he got a great revelation from God. And I believe that some of us, we can identify with that. You see what God has for you. You sense that calling. You, you're, you, you have a, 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 a beginning of a picture of the purpose for your life. And you begin to pursue that. But like Joseph, we make it small because we make it about our castle instead of his kingdom. We make it about our purposes instead of his purposes. We make it about our way instead of his way. The scripture says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end its end is destruction, the scripture says. And so see, your dream cannot be restricted to what you think it's about for you. It's bigger. It's greater. And so Joseph has this dream, and he goes to his brothers. He says, hey, God showed me something. I got a dream I want to share with you guys. In my dream, we were all binding sheaves out in the field, and then all of a sudden, my sheaves stood up, and yours bowed down to mine. Ta-da! What do you guys think? The scripture says they hated him. They hated him not only because of the dream in his life. As a matter of fact, they said to him, do you, do you really think you're going to be king over us? And the scripture says that they hated him, but they hated the favor that God had upon his life as well. Another point, uh, another, at another time, Joseph has another dream, and he goes to his dad, and he goes to his mom, and he goes to his brothers. He says, hey, check out this great dream. And he goes, God showed me that the sun, the moon, and the stars are all going to bow down to me. At that the scripture says that his father rebuked him and that his brothers hated him all the more. So much so that this dream became a nightmare because his brothers at one point see him coming afar off as they're seeking him, as he's seeking them, looking out for them. Uh, and he, it, the scripture says that the brothers say to themselves, ah, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. Let's see what becomes of his dream. See, their intent was to kill the dream. And by divine intervention of God moving upon the hearts of two of his brothers, instead Joseph gets sold into slavery. Not that that was much greater. But he goes on, he's, he's sent off to Egypt, he's sold off to slavery. And one of the reasons that we see from the onset of Joseph's story in the beginning is that the reason why things went wrong was because Joseph had a dream, but he lacked certain details. And so we find him trying to fill in the blanks for God. Listen, this guy goes and tells his brothers and his family his dream for, for one purpose, so that they could fall in line with the dream. He's trying to make it happen for God. And so today, I want to talk to you on the topic, the dream is in the details. The dream is in the details. And so as we've seen from Joseph's life, from Joseph's life, despite the fact that he lacked certain details to the dream that God had placed in his heart, God was with him. And as a result, he prospered. But there's a reason why he prospered. Let me make that a little bit more personal. There's a reason why you can prosper. There's a reason why you can excel. See, like Joseph, you too are blessed. Do you believe that? Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Don't mess with this. <laughs> Listen, yes, you are blessed. You are. You're blessed of God. God has a dream for you. You too can prosper. But the blessing and favor of God can only take you so far because at some point, listen closely, you have to begin to walk in the details before you. 
That's what Joseph did. Now, I want to give you a portion of scripture, and then we're going to dig into that a little bit more, just to begin to open up your spiritual appetite to, to see where we're coming from with this. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says this, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. Watch this. So he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And so according to these verses, we see something, that God doesn't just provide you and I vision. He doesn't just give us a dream for the purpose of having a glimpse of what's to come. He gives us vision so that you and I may begin to run with it. To run with it. And I want you to notice something. That, that word run there in the Hebrew, it speaks of darting swiftly. And up, but here's the thing. It's, it's specific. It's darting swiftly for the purposes of guarding or assuming your post. And so here's why that's important. Because this does not imply the act of jumping in quickly to make the dreams that God is revealing to you happen. Instead, it refers to being quick about beginning to follow the path that God has shown you by assuming your post and guarding it diligently now. It's being faithful and doing what's necessary in the little details, no matter what it is. Listen, no matter what details you have in life, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in your study time, whether it's in what you're doing to uh, grow in different areas of your life, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your workplace, your career, your aspirations, whatever it is, there's a key in the midst of all those details that's important. It's to do it right. And I'm not talking about doing it right according to what people tell you. I'm telling you do what's right in the sight of God. Do what's right according to his word. Do what's right and necessary and true. And so, what are you doing with this season in your life? Hey, here's, here's something that can help you think about that. What do you say about your boss when he or she is not around? Now, don't go tell on yourself. But I want you to think about this. What do you do at home when nobody else sees but you're there? Your kids are there. Your family's there. They know you. They see you, right? What do you do in the face of challenges? How will you respond to us? Listen, what do you do with your time? See, those are details that are important. What do you do with your lunch break? Right? What do you do when your boss isn't looking? Let me give you another one. What do you do when you're not at church and you think no one sees you? Because it's real easy to go, oh, God, yes. Oh, with all of heaven, we cry holy to the only one worthy. Right? It's, it's, I'm, look, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying there are details in our everyday life that matter. You know why? Because those details are not just important for you. They're important to God. And so check this out. It's important to notice that the journey to your dream is not a sprint, according to Habakkuk 2. 
What we see here is that it's a marathon that you must run over the course of time. Notice that the scripture says that it will take time. It, it may appear like it's not coming. At times it may even appear unachievable. It might seem slow, but the scripture says, wait for it. It will surely come. But guess who it comes to? The one who's running. The one who starts the course. And so what are you doing in the midst of life's details? See, it will seem slow. You will have to wait. It will appear unachievable at times. But you must assume your post wherever you are planted. That's in your job. That's in your workplace. That's in your church. That's in your community. That's in your marriage. That's in your friendships. See, Joseph got a hold of the dream that God had for his life, but he wasn't interested in running for the long haul when he first got the, the revelation of the dream. He just wanted to get there. And so he just went on a uh, search committee and said, hey, guys, just fall in line with the dream, and it'll all work out. But, you know, things got complicated for him. But thank God for his faithfulness. Despite the complications he faced, God continued opening doors for Joseph. I feel like somebody needs to hear this. I really feel like somebody needs to hear this. Because for some of us, we, we believe that doors don't open for us. For some of us, we believe we're overlooked. For some of us, we believe that somehow we're unimportant because someone doesn't treat us as important. For some of us, we feel like everybody else is being blessed around me, but what about me? And my friend, let me tell you something. Joseph found himself in some deep, dark times, but God was always present. The scripture says that promotion comes from the Lord. Your time is to come. Wait for it. It surely will come. But let me assure you of something. Let me encourage you with something. Start taking steps of faithfulness in the details where you are right now. God will not fail. Amen? I pray somebody's hearing that. Somebody needed to hear that. That was free. And so, last week, we left Joseph off in prison. He's in prison. He's falsely accused of trying to physically take advantage of his master's wife, a man named Potiphar, who the scripture tells us was the captain of the guard for all Egypt. And while in prison, what we see is that Joseph prospered. We find him in training while being placed in authority to manage all the affairs pertaining to prison. Now, for all, and for all intents and purposes, this doesn't sound like a, a great detail to Joseph's path to his dream. I say that because he's managing the prison that he's captive in. That doesn't sound like much of a promotion. That doesn't sound like a detail that's preparing anything for him or preparing him. But you see, God was the determining factor. Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 through 5 says this. Now, I, wanna, I, I want you to do something with me. Take both your hands. Right? If you're online, you can do this too. Put them behind your ears and just push your ears a little bit more. Right? Lean in with your listening. <laughs> no, listen, because there's an important detail of God's great power at work here that many people miss. It says in Genesis 40, starting at verse 1, Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. 
in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. And after he, they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream that same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. So let, let, let me just widen the scope for a minute. Let me just widen the scope for a minute. Joseph's been in prison now for some time, right? And while he's in prison, he arises to a place of authority while still being captive. Now, I want to ask you a question for some deeper reflection and revelation from God's word. Before we go any further, I want you to consider this. Who placed these men, the cupbearer and the baker, under Joseph's authority? The scripture says it was the captain of the guard. Let me ask you another question. Who was Egypt's captain of the guard? Some of you are starting to think now. It was Potiphar. What I want you to see, why this is such an important detail. Why is this so important? Because while Joseph was captive in his circumstances, he was not captive to them. Listen, he's faithfully executing his duties. He's not murmuring. He's not complaining. He's being faithful. He's doing what's right. He's honoring God. He's looking to God. And the very jailer over him, Potiphar, is the very one that exalts him and gives him authority while he's angry at him. How's that for the goodness of God? How's that for the importance of details? See, the very one that brought about his demise and placed him in prison was now the very one that God was using to pave the way for him, to prepare him, to elevate him to the place of authority. So let me ask you a question. How are you living in response to the people and the circumstances that appear to be in the way of what God is leading you to do? What are you doing with those? Because whether you know it or not, it's a very important detail. It's preparation. Something's happening there. See, Joseph was wrongly imprisoned by this man Potiphar, and yet we find Joseph faithfully doing his best and rightly approaching difficulties. No wonder he prospered. You know, it's one thing that I've learned from a great woman of God in the Bible. Her name is Annette. I'm going to tell you why I say great woman in the Bible, because the Bible says that there's a cloud of witnesses who are witnessing our journey and they're cheering us on. So the Bible's still, in, in, it's still playing itself out. Anyway, that was, that was a lot funnier in my head. But. but listen, listen. One thing that I admire about my wife is she's got these little nuggets she'd be dropping, and, and it's like you got to really, like, catch them. And one of the things she used to say to the kids when they were little, and she used to say to me, you know, I'm, I'm still growing up, but she would say, if you complain, you remain. You complain, you remain. Listen, this guy Joseph prospered. Let me tell you why. Because he wasn't remaining stuck where he was. He did not let that hinder him. Don't let what life throws at you hinder you. Check your response. Isaiah 43 verses 2 and 3 tells us something that doesn't give the appearance at surface value of what was happening in Joseph's life. It completely sounds unrelated. But let me show you how it's related. 
Starting at verse 2 of Isaiah 43, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Notice this. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Listen closely to this. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. So stop, stop. Think about this. Hundreds of years after this moment in Joseph's life, we find God reminding the people of Israel of the details to his master plan for them. He says, listen, I have given Egypt for your ransom. I've given Cush and Seba. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a great detail, but when God says, I give Egypt for your ransom, here's what he's saying. That word give there in the Hebrew means to make one yield for a purpose, for the price of restoration of your life. So get this. Let me bring this back to Joseph. Potiphar thought he was using Joseph and inflicting punishment on him. But God was bringing Potiphar to the place of yielding so that he himself would raise Joseph would bring him to the place of authority, would help in his, preparation in, his in his preparation process so that he would never have to, again, be stuck in life. Listen, man. There were details that Joseph was unaware of that God was. Let me say this to you. There are details that you are unaware of that God is aware of. He's working. There's good. God is at work for you. So, but if Joseph had failed to make the effort to pass through the waters, if he had ceased to walk through the fire as things got hotter, he would have never arrived to the other side, to the place of the fulfillment that God's dream dictated for his life. Can I say this to you, my friends? You have to walk through some of these things sometimes. Sometimes you're saying, God, deliver me. And he's saying, I'm right here. And it's not that he means, it's not that he's creating bad situations to teach you something. You know what the reality is? Sometimes we create our own messes. Ain't that true? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, my bad. That was sacrilegious for me to say that. <laughs> Listen, sometimes we create our own problems. We create our own valleys, and God's saying, I'm walking with you through this. But you got to walk through. And so the scriptures say that the baker and the cupbearer both had dreams while in prison, dreams that baffled them. They were wrestling with, to find their meaning, and these guys are depressed. And the Bible says in Genesis 40, verse 8, that they say to him, we both had dreams, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. All of a sudden, if you look at Joseph's story, we begin to see a shift in his life. He's looking to God more than ever. While these men were down, no wonder he was up. And so quickly, the scripture says that the cupbearer shares his dream with him. He says, look, I dreamt that there was a vine with three branches that blossomed into, ripe, into a ripe cluster of grapes. And I took those grapes in my hand and I had uh, Pharaoh's cup in my other hand and I squeezed the grapes and then I put the cup back in uh, Pharaoh's hands. And the scripture says that um, Joseph tells him, this is what God says the dream means. 
In three days you'll be restored back to your position as Pharaoh's cupbearer. And you will put the cup in his hand once again. The baker gets excited. He goes, man, I had a dream too. He tells him his dream. And, and Joseph interprets the dream for him. He says, those three baskets that you see on your head, they represent three days. And the bread on the top basket that the birds are eating, yeah, what the dream means is that in three days, uh, Pharaoh's going to lop your head off. And then he's going to impale you on a pole, and the birds are going to fly down, and they're going to eat your flesh. How about that? Listen, the fact that Joseph was looking to God for interpretation of these dreams doesn't sound like anything was happening towards his own dream. And yet, Joseph was operating in the fulfillment of his destiny because he was looking to God. Can I tell you what success looks like for you as a child of God? Success is dependence on God. Success is not the value of your check. Success is not the homes that you own. Success is not the accolades of people. Success is not what people think about you or say about you. Success is not how good you feel about yourself. Success is not how brolic you are or how skinny you are. Success is not how much food you have on your table or how many resources you have. Success is you trusting God completely. And that's what we see from Joseph's life, that Joseph was successful because God was with him, but because he was aware of it. It was an important detail. And so the scripture says that both these dreams came to pass as Joseph had been shown by God. But when he tells the cupbearer his dream, and he's all excited about it, he's going to be restored, the scriptures say that Joseph says to him, remember me and put in a good word for me when you get to, the, to Pharaoh. Well, the cupbearer forgot. It wasn't until two years later, this guy is still in prison, still being faithful, still in authority, but still stuck in a bad situation. And the scripture says that two years later, Pharaoh one day wakes up and he has this dream that perplexes him. I don't have time to get into details, but basically uh, he's, he's, he calls for all the wise men of Egypt. He wants interpretation. No one can give him an answer. And the cupbearer says, wait, I remember a guy when I was locked up. And this guy was able to interpret my dream. He's a Hebrew, a guy named Joseph. And so they call for Joseph. Joseph comes to to uh, Pharaoh, he hears the dream, he tells him dreams belong to God, I'll, I'll give you the interpretation, he turns to God, and then he says to him, hey Pharaoh, here's what your dream means. There's going to be seven years of great harvest. It's going to be great blessing, but then there's going to be seven years that follow that of a famine unlike anything the world has ever seen. And he says, so you should appoint someone with wisdom that can manage the affairs and collect a fifth of every, all the grain that comes in through the, through the country and it's under the dominion of Egypt and save it and store it so that when the famine hits, we'll be able to ride out the famine and Egypt will survive. The Bible says this in Genesis 41 verses 38 through 41 that Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off, which signified authority, and he put it on Joseph's finger and he dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. See, while Joseph was captive in Egypt 
And it appeared that he was at the mercy of men and a pharaoh from a foreign land. God was elevating Joseph so that he could bring about the dream he had placed in his heart. Now, we're not going to dig into this this week. We're going to get into that next week. But I want you to realize something. That Joseph is now ruler over Egypt, and yet the dream has not yet been fulfilled. There's a detail that's still lacking. We'll talk about that next week. But God is in the midst of these details, and I'll share this with you about next week. God was not only raising up Joseph into authority, but there was a purpose behind it. And Joseph was to be used to influence Egypt so that the people of Israel could multiply and the promise to Abraham could come to pass. The lineage to Jesus could be intact. And so get this. God wasn't just paving a way for Joseph. He was paving a way for his promise to the entire world, to you and me. So I want to leave you with a couple of things as we come to a close here about the importance of paying attention to the details. And the first one that I want to share with you is this, is that God's dream becomes clear in life's small details. God's dream becomes clear in life's small details. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 16.10. He says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. What I want you to consider is this, that what you do with the little details of life determines much what you'll receive. The scriptures put it this way. God cannot be mocked. Don't think you can, God, you can mock God. What you sow, you reap. What you do in the little, you'll do in the much. What you do in the unseen, you'll do in the seen places. What you do now, you will do better tomorrow. And so thus, we must pay attention to the small details. Listen, Joseph was passionate about leadership. He just wasn't ready at the onset. But over the course of time, we find him responding differently than what the circumstances justifiably called for. Listen, upon being a slave, we see no record of him complaining. No record at all. We don't see any escape attempts. We don't see him growing worse off. Instead, we see him prospering. We see him growing in blessing. We see the value that he's adding to all those around him. We see him continually rising when people are trying to put him down. And for some of us, if we were in Joseph's predicament, we have to consider, how would I respond? How would you respond? There are some of us that we would mutter under our breath. They can't hear, but sounded like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> right? For some of us, we do more than that. We'd revel in our discontent and in about the unfairness of our situation. We would just simmer and, and, and brew in that. For some of us, we would be vocal about our right to be free and our need to make right the wrongs against us. For some of us, we would start a revolt all with the intent of reasserting ourselves how we see fit. And as a result, my friend, let me say this to you, if that's where you are, you would miss God in the midst of the details. You'd miss God in the details. Again, it's not that God has created unjust circumstances for you to grow. Not at all. Men do that very well on their own. This world does that very well, all on its own. 
It's just that even in life's greatest setbacks, God is still present and at work in the smallest and most trying details. And so how do we raise our awareness uh, so that we can perceive what God is doing in life's small details? I'm glad you asked that question. And here's the answer, or an answer to that. Make it a priority to major in the minors of your life. I'm going to say that again. Make it a priority to major in the minors of your life. Nothing is off the table when it comes to the greatness of God for your life. Nothing is off the table. Everything matters. So if I were to ask you, what do you see here, my friend? What do you see here, Pedro? An orange? What do you see here, Christine? A fruit. Okay, what, what do you see here, David? Uh, tangerine. A tangerine. See, here's how we perceive details in life. We focus on the outside. But for the person who understands the power of this tangerine or whatever you call it, right? <laughs> here's what you would see. You would look past the shell and you would see the harvest. Because you would see the seeds that are contained in it yeah. that produce and promise much more beyond the temporal, much more beyond the physical. And so see, when you begin to major on the minors of your life, here's what you begin to do. Instead of just ingesting what life throws at you and spitting out the seeds, no, you recognize the power in these details and you begin to be faithful and you begin to nourish and you begin to nurture and you begin to grow and you begin to see more than just fruit. You begin to live with a harvest. Your life is meant to produce great fruit. But it's more than just fruit for you. It's a harvest. Which leads me to my next point. Destiny lies at the intersection where opportunities and difficulties meet. I'm going to say that again. Destiny, this dream, lies at the intersection where opportunities and difficulties meet. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Because we're really talking about a response here. There is no denying that Joseph had a rough road. Listen, this guy was discarded by those closest to him. He was betrayed. He was overlooked by his father. He was abused. He was rejected. He was trampled on by people of influence. He was used. He was falsely accused. He was unfairly treated. He was enslaved. And yet, Joseph did not run from these difficulties. Joseph ran through them. He ran through them. He ran through them. You know, I'm reminded of a... Uh, 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 a book I read, I forget what the book was, but anyway, it talks about um, identifying and eliminating escape routes. And you know, what it, what it basically refers to is the fact that we as human beings, we will seek the easiest way out. We will always seek the easiest way out. But the principle is that if you study a rat, right, not that you would want to study a rat, but, but if you study rats, here's what you'll find. They will Seek whichever way they can get out. But once you trap that rat and it is pinned behind a wall, between a wall and you, that rat is going to fight. And so here's the principle that I want you to consider as it relates to this point. When difficulties come, you discover the opportunities for growth. 
you discover what you have to do. And let me tell you, there are principles in the word of God that dictate how you come about and how you grow. And so when Joseph did not, when Joseph was faced with difficulties, he didn't run from them. Instead, he ran through them. He faced them. The dream that God had placed in his heart and God has placed in your heart will be challenged by difficulties. It will happen. The ones, and, 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 and they will also come by those who oppose you. But what you do in these moments will either break you or make you. They will either build you or break you. See, you can either see the, difficult in, in, the difficulty in every opportunity, or you can see the opportunity in every difficulty. And the thing about it is this, that's your choice and mine. You can either choose to be helped as you see the opportunities, or you can choose to hurt yourself in the process. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, as it relates to this point. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Watch this. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. Listen to what the scripture is saying. In every occasion, there's, there's a good thing that you can build by your words. So question, are you building or are you breaking? Are you building or are you breaking? Are you constructing or demolishing the dream that God is giving you? Psalm 118 verse 24 says this, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. For many of us, we've been taught and we believe that what this says is, you know, this is the day that God has made, so we're supposed to just la-di-da, everything's skippity-doo, everything's so good, peaches and cream. You know what that word rejoice means there? Literally, look it up for yourself in the Hebrew. It means to spin or turn around. So watch what the scripture is saying here. This is the day the Lord has made. This is your day. It's a good day. And so let us turn around. Let us turn to it and be glad in it. See, in the midst of life's circumstances, every day is a good day. I know for some of us, we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to go, oh my God, it is... Monday. Ah! Oh! Help me, somebody. Is it Friday yet? And you're missing something. You're missing what you have before you. The scripture says, this is the day the Lord has made. Listen, tomorrow is your day. Today is your day. The day after tomorrow is your day. In every single day, there's something to turn to that is better and that you can draw strength from and you can rejoice with. Why? Because God's in it. God is good. Everything he does is good. Therefore, your day is good. But you must seek the opportunities. You must seek the discernment to see God in the midst of those details. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is a divine kingdom strategy for growth, for stepping into what God has for you. But you got to see something. You can either face the trial and grow or you can run from it and falter 
See, these are the details that you may miss if you don't seize the opportunity in the face of difficulties. Difficulty and opportunity will cross paths. And at that point, what you choose will determine where you go with God. The choice is yours. And the last point that I leave you with here as we come to a close is this. It's that promotion lies in the details. Give attention to the details and promotion will come. I'm going to say that again. Promotion lies in the details. Give attention to the details and promotion will come. Early in his life, we saw Joseph attempting to advance God's dream by promoting himself in the eyes of his family. But at this juncture in his life that we've been looking at today, we see a different man. Instead of focusing on promoting his dream and saying, hey, don't you know the blessing of God upon my life? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know? Instead of doing that, instead of promoting himself, what we see is this. We see Joseph promoting the dream of another man. He's captive in, in Egypt. And his captor has just raised him to a place of authority. But Joseph began to serve the vision that God had given to Potiphar, the one which he had interpreted. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because every single day is a day of promotion for you. But here's the thing. Who are you lifting up? Who are you encouraging? Who are you building up? See, oftentimes we worry about somebody building us up. But you see, good leaders, some of us, we, we feel that call to lead. Well, praise God. I, I celebrate what God is doing in you. But let me tell you something about good leaders. Good leaders are better followers. Good leaders are, are, are people that are great at promoting others, at encouraging others, at building others. And so don't miss your day of promotion. Luke 16, 12, these are the words of Jesus as we stand here. He says this, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, listen to this, who will give you property of your own? Who will give you property of your own? Every day provides an opportunity for promotion. Question, how are you doing in your workplace? How are you doing in your home? How are you doing in your church? How are you excelling? What are you doing in the small, intricate details that nobody sees? See, those details matter, but let me tell you why they matter. Because they matter to God. They matter to God. I believe my wife referenced earlier, I think it's Zephaniah chapter 4 where God says, don't despise, don't cast off this day of small beginnings, what I'm doing. It says, for the Lord rejoices in it. See, here we are wanting to be celebrated in the places where everybody sees us, where we've arrived. And God's saying, no, 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 I'm celebrating in the beginning because I see what's to come. I'm cheering you on, I'm working in your life. And so when you're serving, 
your employer, when you're advancing your spouse, when you're encouraging another, when you're building and promoting the vision and mission of the church of Jesus Christ, you're growing into your calling. Those are details. For you, believer, the way up is always down first. It doesn't mean that you're less than. Not at all. It just means that you understand how the kingdom works. So you know that boss you complain about? Instead of tearing him down, why don't you start lifting him up? You know those issues at home that you sweep under the rug that nobody sees? Instead of just sweeping them under the rug and acting like they don't exist, why not start doing something in those details? I'm going to tell you why, because your promotion is at hand. And God has elevated you, but you must step into that place of authority by focusing on many times. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.